Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Casa Podcast. Today I have a very interesting mix of tribe members, new and old. I have some old tribe members, Sachi is back. I have two new tribe members, Justin and Adam. Hello everyone and welcome to the show. Hey, it's good to be here. <laughs> Hi. How you doing? How you guys doing? Awesome. Great. Happy to be here. Awesome. Fantastic. Awesome. 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 How have you guys been? How's your week, Sachi? It was pretty good. And of course, like exams are over. It was pretty chill. I was thrilled to go shopping mm-hmm. and do everything that I couldn't do in the go semester. Go shopping. <laughs> so yeah, it was good. It was fun. And I think I'm still in that zone of having fun. So Nice, nice, nice. Thankfully, you did not throw another party and not invite people, so I think we're not going to have a lot of issues with that on here. I mean, anyway, uh, all of these people have always been invited to my parties, so nice, I don't think nice. there's going to be an issue anyway. Adam, Adam. So guys, our new tribe member, Adam, is an amazing young man, and today we're going to get to know so much about Adam in the show. But Adam, tell us about your week. How was your week? I'd mark it down as a success overall. Good. Uh, did some relaxing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's super important as the semester comes to a close. And uh, went to the pool. Mm. Uh, I was at the Lazy River at LSU yesterday for a couple hours, mm-hmm. which is a great experience. And I mm-hmm. uh, uh, went out to Lake Charles, Louisiana, mm-hmm. uh, two hours west here to mm-hmm. uh, see the president. Went to some other small communities in South Louisiana just to uh, explore. Uh, so I, I mark it down as a rousing success. Nice. You got to see the president. I guess that yeah, is a yeah, highlight. Yeah, he waved at me. Yeah. There you go. He waved at me. That's good. He's my friend. He's, He's your my friend, friend now. now. He's your friend now. That's good. The president himself waved at Adam. So yeah. I guess, you know, he is a big shot. Yeah. He's a big shot. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> what was the event like? What was happening? Uh, so the president was in town. Has uh, actually made two stops in Louisiana, one in New Orleans uh, and one in Lake Charles. He's in Lake Charles first uh, to uh, hawk his infrastructure plan, mm-hmm. uh, the $2.25 trillion uh, first installment uh, called mm-hmm. the American Jobs Plan mm-hmm. uh, to invest in uh, American infrastructure mm-hmm. uh, and the American people, American workers, etc., mm-hmm. workforce. Um, and Louisiana mm-hmm. uh, has lots of infrastructure needs, as you might imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lake Charles has a bridge that the state's been seeking money to replace for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of a scary bridge that mm-hmm. carries I 10 across, critical infrastructure, and it's mm-hmm. uh, you know, the city was battered by a hurricane last year, uh, and the city's in pretty bad shape mm-hmm. uh, still from that hurricane. I mm-hmm. got to kind of see, you know, what's going on out there. It's pretty, it's tough to see. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's uh, kind of surprising. I was a little bit surprised that the president, one of his first stops uh, was a state like Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not really, this isn't really a big state for him mm-hmm. uh, but I came anyways it's kind of interesting and I figured I'd take the opportunity and drive out there mm. yeah. nice nice and I hope you enjoyed the drive too uh, it's all right yeah I saw a lot of rice rice fields <laughs> uh, yeah it's interesting I stopped in a couple of small towns along the way Crowley Louisiana mm. for example yeah. uh, it's just kind of interesting mm-hmm. uh, explored downtown I actually crashed an event uh, at the courthouse, they mm. had outside a bunch of local business owners. Okay. And yeah, just showed up. 
Nice, nice. Justin. Justin Martin is another very amazing young man who we're happy to get involved <laughs> with, with, with the tribe. And I have, I have wanted to have Justin on the show for a while now. And today, I think the topic we're going to be discussing really works well with who he is. And so, Justin, how was your week? It was good. Um, I kind of started off the week by visiting my parents, mm-hmm. um, came back to Baton Rouge, uh, got some new books I'm excited about reading for the summer, um, got my classes for uh, the summer scheduled, and then also um, kind of getting some uh, student org stuff settled for the summer and for next semester. Nice, nice, nice. Sounds like a good week for you two. You didn't get to meet any president, did you? No, no. Uh, only any future presidents. You only got to meet the future presidents, huh? Yeah, I know we have the future president of India. We have a future U.S. president, hopefully, and a couple of others on the table, which is exciting, which ties beautifully into whatever we're going to be discussing this week. So this week we're going to be talking about leadership and all the things that go with leadership, our experiences, and it's it's it's... It's an amazing one. I didn't get a very big crew out here today, but we're going to have a very big conversation. We're going to have a very big conversation. And so before we dive into the conversation, we're going to do a couple of introductions, right? How was your week? <laughs> I was trying to sneak that past everyone. My week was amazing, actually. I finished my semester on a very interesting note. I was able to write, complete my prospectus, which I was excited about. And now I've sent it into my committee waiting for responses and see how fast it's going to go for me to get out of here. I'm almost at the finish line, so I was excited about that. Had a couple of meetings that were on the lighter side. This week wasn't as packed as all the previous weeks. And I got to finish my semester grading everything and submitting all the grades. And it was a happy moment to see some of my students graduate. I was like, yeah they made it (laughs) so yeah it was good it was good it was a good week played a lot of soccer too (laughs) yeah that was was basically it so yeah we're going to dive in into leadership and on the table today are a lot of very amazing student leaders at least here in LSU and leaders in the communities and you know in so many other places but before we dive into the conversation itself, like I said, we're going to go around the room and introduce ourselves as leaders this time. Not as tribe men, not as Adam, Justin, and Sachi, and Kojo, but who are we as leaders? What are some of the positions we've, we've served in? What are some of the duties we've been assigned to? What are some of the things we've done in our leadership career so far? So I'm going to start with Sachi. Ladies first here. Sachi. Give us a rundown of your leadership profile. Okay, this is kind of interesting. So I've served in so many different positions throughout my bachelor's. Uh, And I think I kind of got started when I was in high school Mm. because um, I was the head girl of my school. Mm -hmm. And after that, when I went for my bachelor's, I was always into debating Mm -hmm. and I was the national champion. Mm in my country 
So I was the president of the debating society in my bachelor's and then the vice president for human resource and development programs. Mm-hmm. And then I came here in uh, to U.S. for my master's and then I served as the cultural chair for the Indian Students Association. Mm-hmm. And then I was a part of the International Cultural Center mm-hmm. as the vice president administration. Mm-hmm. I was also the social chair for the association in my college, that's the life sciences. So I was mm-hmm. in the committee for that. And then I also was the chair for a lot of different strategic planning committees. Mm-hmm. And I'm also the president of the International Students Association and the International Cultural Center right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm also the president for the Speakers Forum. And I also work with the mayor's office. Mm-hmm. And I'm the member for, uh, with their International Relations Commission. Mm-hmm. And I recently got an offer to be a member with the United Nations Baton Rouge as well. Interesting. So I'm going to be working with them over the summer. Nice. So, yeah. That's a very, wow. That's a breathtaking list. That's a very long list. I, I, it's an impressive CV you, you, you're putting together. And I, I bet it's going to give you so many stories and so many lessons for us as we keep the conversation going. It's, it's really impressive. I, I didn't know that much about you myself. So <laughs> I, I'm Thank finding you. out with my listeners how awesome you are. Adam, hit us. Give us that profile. Right. Give uh, us that profile. Well, I guess you know, I'll start back a long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got involved in some activities in high school and middle school uh, when I was a young buck uh, in <laughs> upstate New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I ended up being the, the chief justice of the student body, which was uh, not too consequential, but we did rewrite the Constitution my mm-hmm. junior year, mm-hmm. so that was good. Um, and then my senior year of high school, I was the student body president. Nice. Uh, so that's when I started, you know, doing, you know, bigger things. So as a student school board member in my town, uh, I was at the school board meetings every other week and spoke on behalf of the students, et cetera. Uh, I was involved in some strategic planning committees for the state uh, and the school district. Mm-hmm. Uh, the school district for you know strategic planning is required by the state of New York. Mm-hmm. Um, I did uh, a couple things like that, um, and then I went off to college. Uh, it's involved involved in a variety of things in college, a variety of student groups and student organizations. I served in various uh, kind of positions doing so. Uh, but uh, the, I'd say probably the most impactful thing that I did during college in terms of uh, leadership kind of opportunities uh, was uh, in my college, I was in a college social fraternity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was very involved in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was the, the social chairman uh, for a long time. Uh, I'm still remembered for that. I doubled the dues social dues, uh, but I also made the social scene more, a lot more fun, uh, a lot more exciting, um, a lot more animated. Uh, so, uh, and double the dues, I changed them from, you know, for social dues from 50 to $100. It wasn't like I was, you know, making it 5000 instead of 2500 or anything, but I uh, really made that money stretch. Uh, I ran a variety uh, to uh, political campaigns mm-hmm. uh, in my back 
in my hometown for county legislator mm -hmm. and uh, for the mayor mm -hmm. of my village. Uh, right. Actually, the uh, person who I ran her first campaign, mm -hmm. uh, it was almost 10 years ago. She's wow. still the mayor. Interesting. Uh, she's still the mayor, so mm -hmm. that's good. Mm -hmm. um, you know, stuff like that. Uh, interred for my congressman. And then uh, I came over to LSU um, after doing my master's in Kansas. And I, to be honest with you, I, I couldn't even, I didn't even know that there was a student senate. There might, maybe there isn't one. Mm -hmm. Where I went to college as an undergrad mm -hmm. um, and as a master's student in Kansas. But uh, I got involved here uh, and I'm a senator for the graduate school here. Uh, at LSU and been involved in a variety of uh, committees and uh, groups, uh, planning groups, et cetera, um, to uh, hopefully move LSU uh, and LSU's graduate students forward, um, as well as some things in my department and professional organizations mm. like the mm. American Association of Geographers mm -hmm. um, I've been involved in uh, and uh, you know, uh, our departmental kind of graduate student group. Mm -hmm. uh, I was the fa faculty liaison for that, and I ended up being on the hiring committee mm. uh, for a new faculty line. So, uh, but yeah, that's where I'm at, and, uh, and I'm happy to be here. And, uh, talk. <laughs> awesome, awesome. That that's also a very amazing profile, right? I mean, running, working on campaigns and all that is exciting. Which, it's so fancy. Yeah, it is. And for a lot of people thinking of getting into leadership, I think it's one of the main things. As we go along, we'll talk about a lot of the challenges we face as leaders. And one of the major challenges will be running elections. And there's an art and a skill to it, and we're going to discuss some of these things. So your experience running campaigns and winning elections is going to come in very handy. But Justin... Give us the profile, Justin Martin. <laughs> Guys, hold on to your hats. He's about to blow it off. <laughs> Let's go, Justin. Yes, yeah, so um, I started in leadership a little later. So I, I mainly got into leadership roles after I graduated from high school. Mm -hmm. um, and I was also, I, I really, I wasn't naturally attracted to the title of leader mm -hmm. or the idea or the um, necessarily this the word leadership. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of took up the duties and then later grew into the title of mm -hmm. leader. It wasn't mm -hmm. something I would have naturally called myself. Mm -hmm. um, I graduated high school. Um, I attended uh, my local college for a short period of time. Mm -hmm. um, I ended up starting a tech company. I didn't really know what college had to offer me at that point. Uh, I already. I'd been reading college textbooks in high school. Um, I wanted to run the company full time. Talked to my academic advisor, ended up leaving college, um, ran this company for maybe six or seven months. Mm -hmm. um, like a lot of tech companies and small businesses, um, it didn't work out. But I got hired by a local nonprofit that did um, community development and uh, entrepreneurship work. Um, I was kind of just the kind of fixer and catch-all person, so on a typical mm. day I could do anything from um, kind of consulting businesses on how to go through their registration process, how do they get started, um, what's the quickest way to get their product out to customers, um, mm -hmm. and then also interfacing with community organizations like schools and other nonprofits to find out how we could partner mm -hmm. um, and then taking all of that to our executive director. Mm. Um, during that same time, uh, I worked with our local um, career center that worked with our high school students in our school district. Um, so I work with them on trying to get uh, more entrepreneurship curriculum, 
um, integrated into their courses and available for their students. Um, so that was, and then also during this time, um, was able to serve as a as a board member for the Young Professionals Initiative in our city. Mm -hmm. um, I was able to uh, help uh, judge senior projects for our local um, high school students, mm -hmm. um, and then I. I ran a uh, startup competition for high school and college students um, to wow. connect them to resources <laughs> and funding. Mm -hmm. um, I did some uh, just technical consulting work for a while, uh, decided that um, there was something more that I wanted to do. Uh, there were some, there was a lot of good that I learned during this time about um, the impact that uh, really uh, thoughtful, concerted local efforts could have, but I wasn't really sure that um, the nonprofit side that I had seen was the only way that I could make um, the impact that I wanted to make. Um, and I, I had seen a lot of the political side in terms of um, the funding that the city was making available or what the city and state's um, goals were in terms of economic development and how that affected what we were able to do. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was how I ended up uh, at LSU, uh, majoring in political science, which is where I am now. Mm -hmm. um, when I got to LSU, uh, I vaguely knew that there was a student government. Um, I'd seen a student council in high school. I wasn't initially interested in being a part of it um, because, I mean, to be honest about it, I thought most of the people I had seen in it did, did not really care about the things I cared about. Mm -hmm. Didn't really seem like they were really making an impact. I, I thought it was kind of a waste of time. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, going back to what I said earlier about you know leadership is kind of something you grow into. Um, later on, when I said you know maybe I'll just run for one of these senate seats, see how it works out. Um, I got on the inside and I learned that okay, there are some people who are kind of just doing it for a resume booster, but there are people there who genuinely care um, and who are doing the right things. Um, and you know, if 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 I wasn't seeing something. Um, focused on or something happening that I cared about, um, I could always be the one to start that. Um, and so I joined the Student Senate as a senator, um, eventually became a committee chair, um, mm -hmm. leading the committee that focused on student auxiliaries and services on campus. Mm -hmm. um, and then I was Speaker of the Senate for the summer and fall of 2020. Mm -hmm. um, um, and then more recently, um, this past semester, um, I served as uh, secretary of the Speakers Forum, um, mm -hmm. which Sachi mentioned, um, secretary for NAACP at LSU, mm -hmm. and then I was also one of the um, re-founding members and the vice president of the Society for African and African American Studies. Mm. Um, and the Society for African and African American Studies is something that um, I'm going to be vice president of again this coming year, um, mm. and I'm excited to kind of take the long-term perspective here. Um, and see that through because that was something back when I was in student senate where I had helped get more student support for um, the African African American Studies program becoming a department. Mm. So I'm excited now to work in this longer term capacity um, and keep moving that forward. Very and so, you know, just I never really had an idea of what leadership was before I got started, but it's really kind of been something I've had to, to grow into <laughs> and, and define uh, myself really. Wow. For someone who didn't start off with, you know, going in it you clearly have done so much in leadership and I'm sure there's so many lessons and we're going to dive into some of the things you've mentioned and get a little deeper into a lot of these things but I would try not to forget this time I'm going to give my little profile very brief mm -hmm. <laughs> very the, the probably <laughs> the most I don't know the shortest resume would get on this table but I'd skip 
right to grad school, right? I'll just skip the whole first 25 years of my life and get straight to grad school. You'd, you'd we don't have all day. So in the last, I'm going to talk about just leadership in the last like five years. So in the last five years, I've served as the president of the International Students Association here in LSU and the board chair of the International Cultural Center. I've served as the Multicultural Leadership Council co-chair um, in LSU where we did a lot of hiring and we did a lot of setting up the Office of Multicultural Affairs under President Alexander. We worked together with him to set up the Office of Multicultural Affairs here in LSU, hire the first director, vice directors, and all those people who take care of multicultural stuff. I think that was in response to the shooting of Alvin Stellin in the summer of 2016. And I've also served as a, I served as the vice president of the Graduate Students Association in my department. And then I ran for Senate several years ago. <laughs> and that's why I met Justin. He was my Senate mentor. And whenever I got into the Senate, they're like, hey, you're going to pair up with, <laughs> you're going to pair up with, you know, senators and then they'll teach you things to do. And luckily for me, he ended up being the Senate chair. But yeah. I worked in the Senate, I worked in the Budgets and Appropriation Committee, and that was fun. And then after a few a semester or two in Senate, I ran for graduate students president here at LSU, where it's been a roller coaster ride. I've served on dozens of committees. Uh, the list would not end if I went through them. But I think one of my most exciting and proudest ones would be the diversity and inclusion committee, where we rewrote the entire policy statement and the diversity statement for LSU. And one of the things I'm most proud of, at least in that position, was that the, there are three paragraphs to the statement, and there were three authors who were asked to write it. So Taylor, myself, and Chris wrote the diversity statement, and we worked together. Everybody wrote a, um, a paragraph, and we put it all together, and then to see a paragraph I wrote adopted by LSU as the diversity and um, inclusion statement of the university. So I served on that committee and a dozen other committees. And then after seven, my first term, I ran for a second term. And yeah, I've, I'm going to serve as president of the Graduate Students Association here in LSU again for the coming academic year. So that's a short profile. Outside LSU, uh, yeah. Uh, no, we'd leave that other leadership side things aside. But there are a lot of other leadership positions, and yeah, I've worked as an organizer of Model UN, DC Model UN, Denver Model UN, Houston. I've served as the vice chair of um, the Eco Economic and Social Committee of the UN Model UN, <laughs> and then I've served as the Joint Defense Chair of the Model Arab League. I've been an organizer of the Model Arab League. And so I've served in so many other capacities in other organizations outside LSU. But that's a little bit of my leadership profile. Now that we've seen all the other amazing, impressive cast on the table and my, my, my members here on the podcast today, we're going to dive right in. I know Justin gave us a, a hint of the things that can push people into leadership, right? But for people listening, Right? How does it? What does it take for someone to get into these leadership roles? What were your motivations? What got you guys started on your journey to be these amazing leaders you've become? 
How does one start? What motivates you? Adam, what were you started? Uh, at LSU, I got started uh, from this bizarre email mm-hmm. from a, a Senator Emeritus now, uh, Jordan Landry, mm-hmm. uh, just totally out of the blue. I have no idea how he knew who I was, uh, but I was a pretty new, you know, green uh, PhD student here, and it's getting cold called by someone in Senate asking me if I wanted to be in Senate. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, sure. How also, how do you know who I am? Uh, but uh, I agreed because I was teed off mm-hmm. uh, at LSU. Um, I saw uh, problems at LSU. Uh, not just problems generally, but mm-hmm. I mean problems that were impacting me, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, and I didn't think it was right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I figured uh, I could make some noise about mm-hmm. things that are mm-hmm. not right mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. with hopes that you know they could be righted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, that's what kind of drove me to accept that uh, offer mm-hmm. uh, from you know, uh, my, my good friend, uh, Jordan Landry, uh, but, um, yeah, at, at LSU, I'd say that that's it. And I, I think that's, that's kind of what, what drives me more generally. I don't have any real ambition, uh, in my life to be in a leadership position, uh, at all. Um, but if I think that I can be useful, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm happy to help and be involved mm-hmm. and, you know, add my voice to the to the to the, to the to the crowd and, and push and pressure mm-hmm. uh, because there's a lot wrong. Mm. There's a lot of things that are wrong mm. uh, in the world mm-hmm. uh, and at LSU, mm-hmm. in Louisiana, mm-hmm. in the United States, mm-hmm. uh, everywhere. Um, I, so mm-hmm. yeah, I, I want to draw the uh, our listeners' attention to something very important you said. I don't want us to miss that, which is. Sometimes when you see something is wrong, and for a lot of leaders, right, leadership normally starts with that, identifying the problem, identifying something, some form of injustice, something that's wrong. Uh, sometimes it affects us. In your case, it was something that affected you. In, uh, sometimes it doesn't affect us. But normally, that's one of the motivations to spring leaders into action, something that's wrong, something that can be changed. And yeah, it's an interesting motivation that I didn't want us to miss. Sachi, what was your motivation? Okay, so I think my motivation kind of springs back um, from the time when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. As a kid, I was always very vocal about what I felt. Mm-hmm. And I always had this thing um, of like, if I see things around me in mm-hmm. any sphere of life, mm-hmm. it's like, what can I do better? Mm. How can I make mm. it better? Mm. And you know, giving mm. my inputs in every way. Mm. As a as a school kid who was, I think, in fifth grade or sixth grade, mm-hmm. I always was like, if if my teachers used to ask me, okay, who wants to be the class president? Mm-hmm. Because we used to have this thing, class presidents, presidents kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I was always there. I was mm. like, if there's mm. work, tell me what 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 can I do? Mm. How can I help? Mm. How, you know, mm. what can I? Um, mm do so that things get better and mm-hmm. I think I always had this thing of getting people together and working in teams mm. so I mm. had it was always in me to kind of get all of my classmates together and be like oh we have this project you know let's mm. let's do mm. this and let's mm. um, do something great to, to you know make things better or whatever, mm. whatever we were doing so I think it was since the very beginning and um, and as I grew up I think 
when you grow up you kind of see so many things which you didn't see as a kid of course mm. and mm-hmm. then you see okay there are so many spheres where there are problems mm. which need to be addressed and it was always like if not me then who mm. Mm. so i was like interesting i mean i uh, you cannot rely on other people to do what you want to mm-hmm. do so you've got to be in the field to do what what you really feel for i i think you just gave so. me the title of the episode there if not me <laughs> then who i feel what you said ties in very beautifully to what adam said one of the motivators for a lot of leaders is identifying a problem and there are two ways people react to identifying a problem they either sit somewhere and mourn and be grumpy about it and the second group of people were like what can i do to make it better sachi said something very interesting where it's like how do we make it better i just don't want to be sitting around the problem i just don't want to be staring at the problem i don't want to be doing nothing about it what can i do to make it better and i think it's a springboard for many leaders identifying something is wrong and what can i do right if if something is going to be done about it uh, there's a phrase in a song epic i like so much it says you're the change you're the hope you're the miracle instead of waiting for that leader to come fix it instead of waiting for that amazing student leader to come solve all the student problems adam and sachi are just telling us one of the motivations for good leadership is if i don't do it who else is going to do it i'm going to step up to the plate and hit a home run and if you're listening to us that could be your motivation i know you see a lot of things around you you see a lot of things in your school in your business in your company in your society in your community and you're waiting for that leader to step up and do it you're the change you're the one everybody is waiting for with the world has been waiting on you all this while so get up and do something i think this can really serve as a good motivation i think uh, wait let me just start one thing like <laughs> you and i we do talk a lot about like leadership and things in mm-hmm. general mm-hmm. and i know you say this so many times and it ties beautifully into the topic we're mm-hmm. discussing today that everything starts with you mm-hmm. so it's you who has to mm-hmm. be the change mm-hmm. make the change mm-hmm. and work towards mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. as you know justin what was your motivation what what got you started Yeah, so I think um, you know to the point that was made about uh, you noticing problems. I think even back in high school when I was involved in leadership, uh, it was pretty common to you know sit around and discuss problems. You know whether it's at you know at the school level, at the you know national politics, or just whatever's going mm-hmm. on out in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know that was pretty natural for me. I think there was more of a progression stepping into. actually taking um, a leadership role there but I think it goes back to how we think about leadership and who leads because mm-hmm. um, you know it's kind of like the cliche uh, a leader is someone who leads mm-hmm. right and so um, you know I think a lot of times we tend to think of you know our political figures and we think oh well those are leaders they're elected um, but in fact you know when you think about it so much of what happens in your daily life um, is not really done it is not necessarily done by those leaders mm-hmm. right it's, it's mm-hmm. done by people mm-hmm. in their local communities mm-hmm. who are parts of um their church or parts of their neighborhood association or they're on a committee at their child's school um or they participate you know maybe in a union at their workplace uh and so you know at, there's this very local level where people have always made a difference mm-hmm. um but when we tell these stories about what leadership looks like and what leadership does um we focus on this very high level of mm-hmm. you know these individual or a small group of figures 
Um, and so I know for me personally, um, I've, you know, over time become a student of history, and so I've studied the American Civil Rights Movement a lot, mm-hmm. and that's an area mm-hmm. where we see, um, you know, generations of mm-hmm. local leaders mm-hmm. um, taking action, mm-hmm. and then, you know, when we're taught this history, we kind of think of, you know, uh, two or three figures that we associate with all of this activity that was really done mm-hmm. over a long period of time by a lot of um, local people just taking action at different mm. levels. Mm. Um, and you know that was one of the things that uh, inspired me personally was, mm-hmm. um, I know my grandmother and my mother mm-hmm. um, were both very active um, you know, in, in small ways in their community, whether mm-hmm. it's you know, uh, volunteering at school and you know, leading associations mm-hmm. or uh, coordinating people in their neighborhood. Um, and that also kind of formed uh, my sense of leadership when it came to um, what leadership should be, mm-hmm. uh, because mm-hmm. as women, they brought different experiences to these roles mm-hmm. than maybe the male figures we were mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You, used mm-hmm. to seeing. It was like a much more inclusive leadership. Who can we bring to the table? You know, what other issues are out there? Mm. Um, and so that really kind of shaped. Um, you know, when I looked at, into leadership, it wasn't necessarily I want a role, but it was, it was you know, what problem can I solve, mm. and then how can I bring other people into mm. that conversation? Mm. That, that's beautiful. You, you mentioned something that I really want us to get back to. And I would, <laughs> for listeners of the show, you know whenever someone says something amazing, I just can't sit still. I have to go back and touch on it. He said, as a student of history, right, he studied a lot about the civil rights movement and the leaders and the community leaders. And it's one sure way to make leaders. I feel as we study great leaders of the past as we read our books and see these amazing people as a kid as a young boy growing up i think i was like nine years when i read the bright the best and the brightest which was um kennedy's um um, biography and reading that as a kid as a young boy i'm like i want to be kennedy i want to be kennedy so bad and then my dad so i was excited he got me clinton's biography and i read it i was like yeah yeah i want to be this guy <laughs> and then I read. so the more i read about inspirational leaders like mandela like barack obama i'm like i want to be like these kids like i want to be them right and so for me one way to get into leadership is learning about these leaders like sometimes when we look at them in office when we see Barack Obama, the president of the United States, they look so far away. They look like they're not even human. They're they're divine. They were made for that role. But when you start reading their biographies, and you realize, oh, they struggled in school too. Oh, they were, it makes them just like you. And then it inspires you to do better. And he, you did mention what having leaders around you did, inspiring you. And I don't know, people who've checked out my social media and know anything about me, my tag and my mantra for life is aspiring to inspire. My goal in life to, is to help people be inspired, to inspire people. And it's because I have been inspired by a lot of people who've gone before me. I meet people, my friends, I have friends and colleagues, people who are even younger than me, who inspire me so much to be a better person. And so when I see other leaders around me, when I see people motivated and driven around me, it starts this, it lights this fire in me that makes me want to do more or be like them. But yeah, reading history, reading books, learning about these leaders really does motivate me to want to be a leader. I, I meet people like Adam and Justin, I'm like, I'm gonna be a leader. <laughs> I, I talk to Sachi every day and 
she teaches me so much but yeah one of those things is having leaders around you and also reading about them you don't have to have the president of the united states living in your house justin is lucky he has great leaders living in his house but hey crack up a book read these read about these people read about these leaders who you you idolize who you you really admire and you realize you can be one too and it's a good way to get motivated and start this journey of leadership you mind if i add just one thing to that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so when i was a kid well actually um when i was a teenager uh i had someone re- recommend a book to me um it's called think and grow rich and mm-hmm. um it's a very popular book but there's a, a scene in the book when the author is to, is encouraging people to read and find out more um about you know famous figures and you know leadership historically and he describes um, you know someone who's reading a book about Abraham Lincoln and he says you know read the book and then go to sleep tonight and have a dream that you're talking to Abraham Lincoln and you, you can you can, he can answer any question you have and just ask him what you want to ask him and you've read the book so maybe you'll just have some conversation with Abe Lincoln in your dream mm. and, and it sounds like the most ridiculous thing mm-hmm. but um, you know, for anyone who's interested in leadership, uh, you know, you you can really do that exercise, and it's 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 not just you know talking to them in your dream, but it's reading, like Kojo said, reading the the book and getting a sense of who they are as a person, not just mm-hmm. their accomplishments, mm-hmm. and then you know having that conversation in your head, you know, mm-hmm. like what qualities mm-hmm. do they have, you know, how can I learn from mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. on that very human level, not just a list of uh, of accomplishments, and and it really sounds ridiculous until you actually start doing that and you know it's almost like i'm talking to them (laughs) (laughs) i know talking about these things and trying to motivate people and trying to give people the 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 kick they need to get into leadership one of the questions that will be going through listeners minds would be (laughs) what do i need to start you guys are saying do this do that solve a problem what are some of the things you guys had at the start what does someone need to start being a leader what do you guys have for me you need to read it's a very mm. yeah, okay so since i was a kid my mom said this one line to me repeatedly i think mm-hmm. i was very little when she mm-hmm. said that to me of course i didn't understand that much at that time but she always told me this one thing readers are leaders mm. Mm. so read anything everything mm. around mm. you get get as much information mm. and you know, you'll, you'll always get something inspirational here mm. or there. Mm. So no matter mm. what your age is, read, start reading, that's, that's have conversations. Amazing. That's amazing. And you know, I think reading also helps you think critically mm. about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think the more you read, the better mm-hmm. you get. I, I love that. I love that. Readers are leaders. That's a good hashtag. And, and it, it's, it's so important. They, they, there's a saying that before you speak, you think yeah. and before you think you read <laughs> so before you've been saying anything you should have read something you should have been able to process things so yeah I really like that and from that like I know that it's kind of true we I know we've come a far far way a long way but there are still so many women um, who are kind of stuck in different situations and we don't have a lot of women leaders mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I would love to see more women in different mm-hmm. roles 
And there's one book which is Becoming by mm. Michelle Obama, yeah. which is a beautiful yeah. read. Yeah. So if you're looking to pick something up, mm. please pick that mm. book because mm-hmm. it kind of tells you how a leader is so human and how they're also able to do so many great things that we see around us. I'm, I'm going to do something I haven't done on the show before, but just because I am so excited in, you know, motivating listeners to be leaders, the next, if you're listening to this podcast, just wherever you, any of our social media handles, just message me. The top, the first five people to message me, get a copy of the book. I'll mail you a copy of Becoming and any of the other books we're going to talk about here. But the first five people to message me, hey, I want to be a leader and I want a copy of this book. I am going to send you a copy of the book Becoming. Yeah, what are some other things that someone needs to know? And what do they need to get started as leaders? Marx's capital. <laughs> you get a PDF of that for free online, though. You, you, you guys do not need to pick up that book yet. <laughs> no, but, but what are some of the other things? I, I would like to, I, I know people would be like, you know, I am I, not a leader. I wasn't born a leader. I don't feel like I can lead anything. I would share what the skills I started in leadership with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I started with nothing. I just started with a dream to be a leader. I didn't. I, I was a reader, yes, but I didn't know any of the things I know about leadership now. Whenever I started, I look at the young me who was campaigning and running for office. I was like, oh my god. You did not know half as much as you know. But like, don't you think that 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 whole thing of oh, I want to be a leader, and that thing was always inside you? Yeah. So that is what I'm trying to sort of encourage people. That oh, I, I haven't read enough. Oh, I have. I'm not skilled enough. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm not a good communicator. Those things will come with time. Just make the first step. I know people who are trying to be polished and seasoned speakers, like Adam. People who are trying to be <laughs> great. <laughs> great readers they're waiting to get somewhere before they start i started with nothing i just started as a boy with a dream a boy with a dream to be a leader and sometimes that's all you need just taking the first step because most of the things i learned like you know like (laughs) i read about kennedy and how he would have his speech writers write the speech for him the day before the event and while he tied his tie, he would have a speech in front of his mirror. He would be reading through the speech. When he gets into the car, he would just be reading through the speech. Mm-hmm. And he goes and delivers the speech without any, like, teleprompter, no script, nothing. He just reads the message on his way as he's getting ready and goes and delivers it. So I was like, when am I going to be skilled enough to read a script one time and go and deliver it? Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I was. I still have scripts of speeches I wrote five years ago. I'm still not at that point where I can go somewhere and deliver a speech. But I started. I didn't let that stop me. I didn't wait to become like Kennedy before I, I went out there. These things came with time. So if you're listening to me and you're like, oh, I don't even know how to speak yet. Oh, I don't have the skills to organize people yet. Oh, I don't. Don't let those things stop you. Just get up. Take the first step. All these other things might come. But but read. Read. <laughs> Please, read. <laughs> read and, and, and go. I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a geographer, mm-hmm. and uh, I want to be a, a geography teacher mm-hmm. for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, 
I like my job, mm -hmm. uh, but I wish I got paid more for it. But, uh, but we'll, we're, work, we're working on that. Yeah. Uh, but um, go uh, out there uh, and see, because you know there's there's a whole there's a whole world out there with all kinds of perspectives, all kinds of thoughts, all kinds of ways of understanding the world, and um, you know that are different. Mm. I mean, they're all different. Mm. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot more to the world than the little 700-person podunk town that I grew up in mm -hmm. in East Armpit, New York. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, that's a very, very specific mm -hmm. place. And if all you know mm -hmm. is what's in your activity space, mm -hmm. you know, you, you got to expand those horizons. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's important mm. and then in doing so mm -hmm. uh, you can understand and you know, start to see patterns mm. between places mm -hmm. um, uh, because a lot of the problems that we face aren't localized mm -hmm. I mean they're part of a larger they're part of larger patterns mm -hmm. right so uh, understanding patterns not only where you are in your activity space mm -hmm. but how uh, those relate Mm -hmm. to you know more uh, patterns at different scales mm -hmm. um, is really really important so that's mm -hmm. my big geography plug that, that, that's, that's yeah, that was so beautiful and like mm -hmm. listening to all of you guys saying this I, sometimes like I kind of feel that we limit leadership to you know being a public figure or being a president or this and that but I just want everybody to kind of realize that there's a leader in each one of us because when we even do some small small things like getting and you know getting a group together to achieve a goal or something like that that is actually being a leader or you know like justin you mentioned that you started your entrepreneurship stuff and you kind of wanted to organize things mm -hmm. that is a leader like mm -hmm. very small steps that you even do in your day-to-day -day life actually make you a leader mm. and and you don't i mean you don't need to be some head honcho or mm -hmm. something you know mm -hmm. top boss to be it's totally mm -hmm. not necessary mm -hmm. i mean part of it is is you know raising consciousness amongst your community members mm. i think is really important mm. um and and to me is is a is a, a really important duty for people mm. but uh Another thing you said that I want us to get back to and not miss is go, go. Um, whenever you read biographies, so you see these, like for example, if you look at Joe Biden, he's the current president of the United States, right? And for me, the lesson I learned from his life is just go, don't stop. A lot of us. Uh, at our leadership traffic light, right? And for us, we always have a reason to stay on red. I'm not qualified enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not a great speaker. I I'm not learned enough. Most of the leaders you know, all they do is go. All they do is go. All Biden didn't do so well in law school. It, and he's he, the president. He's not done so well yeah. in so many things. He started to, he's been in politics for over 40 years. He started so many failed attempts for this presidency. He was elected, he was elected to the U.S. Senate. Mm -hmm. uh, next year will be 50 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And 
you see, all he did was go. Sometimes we, we tell ourselves so many things. Oh, I'm not there yet. I, you know, we, we always want to stay at red. I want you listening to me now and listening to the show now to just go. You don't need to be the best. You don't need to be the brightest. You don't need to be. Just have the desire to go. The light should always be green. If there's a problem, don't sit around and wait for someone to solve it. Like you mentioned, like Adam mentioned, sometimes all you need to solve the problem is raising the awareness of the people around you. Guys, do you see that there's a problem? Do, don't you think we can do something about it? And that is your goal moment right there. I, and and I, I'd say don't, don't be afraid to be uh, disruptive. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I mean... It, don't be afraid to be disruptive because mm-hmm. there's all kinds of structures in place mm-hmm. to make, I mean, status quos develop and are maintained mm-hmm. because they are beneficial mm-hmm. to some groups mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. very much not beneficial to mm-hmm. other groups, right? And in changing a status quo, mm-hmm. I mean, there's resistance to that. Mm-hmm. There's resistance to changing systems mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, those in power of the mm-hmm. system, like, have gotten, you know, have done well under. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of resistance to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't be afraid about disrupting people mm-hmm. or disrupting things that you see are wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you don't disrupt, right, uh, these problems, complex problems are uncomfortable to deal with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and disruption is uncomfortable, but uh, it's, you know, don't be afraid to be a bull in a china shop. Mm-hmm. At some time, so to speak, to use an old adage, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, making noise and and jumping around, mm-hmm. uh, because sometimes that's sometimes that's what it takes. Mm. Don't do that, you know, just for fun. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not necessary, mm-hmm. I guess. But uh, sometimes, you know, that's necessary. Mm-hmm. Interesting, and 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 I to to that effect, it's it's one of those things. As a leader, I've grown to appreciate a lot. Um, Adam and I would have very different leadership styles, but I always appreciate having him in the room. Being that disruptive leader, being that person who walks into the room and says, hey, this must change, is also a kind of leadership. Having the, the, the will to change something is important, but having that nerve of steel to actually go in there and effect change. Because most of these leaders that we read about, we're encouraging people to read, the people you're going to read about are people who wanted to change. You look at people, leaders like Mandela. There was a status quo, and he took an axe straight to the status quo. If you, if for the listeners of this show, there are several episodes I'm like, we're trying to change how society thinks about something. That is how leaders operate. We go in there to try and change something. Because, again, if you would go back to the beginning of the episode, one of the motivating factors is identifying a problem. And sometimes the problem persists because nobody is going to change it. And so Adam is encouraging people, hey, change something. Be disruptive. If there's a system in place that is unfair, that is not right, that is problematic, be willing to go out there and change it. You go right to the people that are in charge of it and tell them. <laughs> I mean, in... in that's how mm-hmm. I tend to mm-hmm. approach things. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. Something is, is messed up or I don't like something. Mm-hmm. Let them know. Mm. Uh, 
at least you know get the ball moving a little mm -hmm. bit but you know there, there's a time and place for, for that and mm. not always <laughs> yeah and I think uh, to add to a couple of the points that were made um, about disruptive leadership um, so uh, Cesar Chavez the US labor organizer um, there's a quote he used to always use um, time and organization do for the poor what money does for the rich um, mm. and so you know when you think about disruptive problems one of the one of the issues that always comes up with changing the status quo is um, there's always a lot more or frequently there's a lot more organization I'm sorry a lot more resource and um, power on the side of the status quo and of um, the beneficiaries of that system um, and like Adam mentioned you know changing that and organizing that opposition is involves consciousness raising Hmm. Um, but it also involves, uh, you know, having that person who's going to start that movement, hmm. um, continue that consciousness raising, um, and you don't have to be any have any specific background or be any specific person to do that. Um, hmm. You know, if you're, you know, a scientist and there's some issue you're concerned about and it's not a science related issue, it really doesn't matter, right? Hmm. Like you are a citizen too. Hmm. You are a person. Like this is your problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, don't be afraid to to be the person that um, that starts that. And also, just going to the point of of inspirational leaders, um, I always try to keep in mind. Um, you know, there's you can learn something from everyone. Mm. Um, and so, I know one of the examples I think of is um, in the 1960s in Mississippi. Um, there were activists coming down from the north, working with activists in Mississippi, organizing. Mm. And one of the things was you had act, you had some young activists coming from the north who had PhDs mm. from places like Harvard and Oberlin mm -hmm. and some of these other schools, mm -hmm. and you had um, you know people in Mississippi who were very capable, but they sometimes um, had only finished middle school or mm. maybe finished half of high school, mm. um, and but but what they they called you know these locals who may not have had this this. What would be considered a PhD level education, they called them natural PhDs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, these were people mm -hmm. that were, you know, just as smart as these, um, you know, educated PhD uh -huh. holders from uh -huh. the north, but in a different way. Um, and so that's something I always try to keep in mind. You know, there's something you can learn from everyone, um, and knowledge doesn't always look like, you know, a, a, a PhD or, or even a, uh, you know, any kind of higher education degree. Um, Sometimes it looks like that practical experience, mm -hmm. and, and that's something that goes along with a lot of these problems we think about. Mm -hmm. um, people who have experienced them have knowledge that maybe you know you as a new person to this um, situation, or maybe as yeah. someone who wants to help, mm -hmm. you you don't have. Mm. Well, mm. and this breaking down by category, mm -hmm. that categorical thinking, mm -hmm. I think is really really problematic, mm -hmm. and it's not just in terms. I mean, we humans since the Enlightenment, are big on categorizing the world, mm. to think about and make sense of the world. Mm. The world's not that simple. There mm. aren't just, especially when you're dealing with people, that there's, mm -hmm. you know, categories. And, Actually, and we can, I think the world is simple, but we make it complicated when we categorize stuff. Oh, this <laughs> yeah, is like, um, you know, like, okay, if it's a political issue, oh, I'm not a political person, this is not my problem. Right. But it actually, like, we all... It's it's humanity. We all are humans. It's it's, it's like why do you want to categorize stuff? If mm. that's a problem, that it's right. it's everybody's well, problem. Yeah, it, well, and and thinking with regard to education, like oh, you're either educated, you know, you either have the documentation that you're educated. Here's my degree, right, or you're not. 
Um, and my theory, there are these different classes. <laughs> I think that's where divide. we complicate things. We don't need to really do that. We divide you people know? by right. race. We mm -hmm. divide people by all, ki all, mm -hmm. all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. and, I mean, to, 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 to get to that point, and again, one of the episodes of this podcast that's pre-recorded, which I'm going to release in a few weeks, I speak to someone I say has a PhD in the streets. He tried to go to college four times, and for our listeners, you're going to hear this episode. It's probably the most inspiring episode I've recorded till date. I sit here with him, and he tells me so much. He's built a tech company from the ground up, and he was in the States a few weeks ago. He when Whenever the, the uh, Jack Dorsey went to Nigeria, he basically was on the same stage with him. And this is the developer of Twitter and the developer of a local construction app sitting on the same stage as tech moguls, right? And this is a person who does not have that documentation. He does not have that PhD from MIT or Harvard, but he has a PhD in the street. And so in terms of leadership, right, you don't have to have a degree in leadership. You don't have to go to the Kennedy School of Government, right, in Harvard to be able to talk about politics or science, political science or leadership, right? Wherever you are, sometimes the, the problem you're trying to solve, you're the only person on the planet with a PhD in solving that problem. And so, again, I really want to use this episode as a way to motivate people, go out there and be a change. But I know it's not easy. We only, we are talking about this like, yeah, I want to be a leader, I'll get up and go. They're challenges, right? And I know all of us seated here at this table have had our fair share of challenges. What are some of the challenges that have come up while you try to lead, try to make a difference, try to change something? And how did you navigate that space? How did you deal with these problems? What did you do to handle them? Sachi, what has been one of the most challenging moments? I think I've been like thinking through this pretty much. And I really feel that there are so many times in general in life when you're like, I'm at a breaking point, I'm going to break, like, I don't know what to do after this. Mm. But I think it's so important to have that confidence in yourself mm. that you can get up and you can not even just walk, but you can fly. Mm. Mm. So you've got to really have that self-confidence. And that actually reminds me a story. Mm -hmm. So I, I really love Priyanka Chopra for the way she is. She's a, she's a leader mm -hmm. and she won um, Miss World. And I mean, she considered herself as not to be somebody very, very beautiful. And she said she, she felt at least that she didn't have it in her to win the competition mm -hmm. because there were so many more beautiful women according to her. But then after the final round, she went to the judges and asked like, what do you think made me win? And they said, it was your confidence. Mm. It's the way you spoke, the way mm. you are, the way you present yourself. Mm. So I think your confidence can kind of take you places. Mm. So just be confident in who you are mm. and trust your gut, trust yourself. Mm. That's the most important thing. Mm. And for the challenges, I mean, of course, there are times when you're like, not everybody's going to love me, mm. but you've got to stick to what you feel. You've mm. got to stand your ground. Mm. And I mean, that's what I've learned. Mm. Interesting. That, that's interesting. Adam, any challenges you've faced 
as a leader and how did you deal with it? Um, yeah, I, I, think, I think in terms of, um, you know, advocating about things, uh, it's important, there's, there's always going to be folks that uh, take the opposite point, right? Any, any policy or any change is a series of trade-offs, mm -hmm. right? For, for some groups and, not, and, you know, between groups, mm -hmm. right? There are, again, categories that we divide the world into um, that become real because we create, they're, in my mind, socially constructed, but whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, there's some folks who are going to be really resistant uh, to things like that. So uh, I think it's important to, um, as was discussed earlier, you know, you never know, you know, you should, you should, you can learn from everybody. You can learn a lot from the people that you, you know, are on the opposite side of this divide mm -hmm. about, um, because if you don't know their arguments, mm -hmm. mm. you mm. how are you going to, how are you going to beat them? Mm -hmm. right? uh, so, uh, for example, uh, we were working on um, uh, a bill about the minimum, uh, setting a campus minimum wage floor mm -hmm. uh, at the university, uh, $15 an hour. Um, and there are some folks who really don't like that idea, right? Uh, if I just go into debate and I don't know, I just know, oh, they don't, there's some people who don't like it, but I'm just going to talk and, you know, wing it, whatever. Uh, that's not a very effective way of going mm -hmm. about things. Mm -hmm. So you have to, you know, anticipate mm. uh, the arguments that, you know, are going to be thrown at you, that mm -hmm. you're going to be challenged with, mm -hmm. uh, and have an answer ready to go. Mm. Uh, and, mm. you know, preferably one that's pithy mm -hmm. or engaging, mm -hmm. um, that, you know, steers, you know, steers kind of the, the room, mm. if that makes sense. Mm. Uh, try to, I don't know, it's always good to make people laugh, mm -hmm. entertain them a little bit mm -hmm. uh, with that. Um, but you know, uh, it's it can be a challenge though, or frustrating to, you know, uh, really get to know the other side, so to speak. <laughs> but it's a valuable, it's a very mm. valuable thing mm. to do, I think. Whether mm. you think that, I mean, e even if there are plenty of people who I chat with who I think have horrific ideas, mm -hmm. absolutely horrific. But if you don't hear, I mean, you gotta know, you mm. gotta know what you're up against. Yeah. The better you understand what you're up against, <laughs> the, the better you know what you're up against, mm -hmm. the, better. Um, the better off you'll mm -hmm. be. I, I, I think it goes straight to a point we talked about last week when I was talking about listening and trying to explain what it does for debating. Listening to understand. As a leader, you should always be ready to listen. And I think one of the things people don't know about is before normal, normally before political campaigns start, candidates go on something called a listening tour. They go and talk to the people they're trying to represent and ask, do you want me to lead? What are some of the problems you face? You know, and that gives you an idea how to put together your campaign, right? Your listening tour influences the policies you develop. It's the, the, the side of leadership a lot of people don't look at. People think, oh, leadership, run a campaign, win, lead. No. Before you even think of running the campaign, you go on a listening tour. And to be honest, the one thing that never stops, if you want to be a good leader, 
is listening. It never stops. It starts from your listening campaign to the day you walk out of office. You're going to hear so much. You're going to engage with so many ideas, like Adam was saying, some horrific ideas. And as a good leader, you listen, you engage, you understand where these ideas are coming from. And that's the only way you can be able to better lead, better represent the interest of the people you're, you're representing, right? Listen, understand. It's challenging for a lot of people, but to be a good leader, it's, it's something you can't do without. And, and a lot of those, a lot of ideas like that mm -hmm. are often rooted in something else. And they're often rooted in some kind of social mm -hmm. or some kind of social societal mm -hmm. vulnerability mm -hmm. or perceived vulnerability mm -hmm. of a group. Mm -hmm. um, and you have to understand mm -hmm. how people arrive mm -hmm. at these mm -hmm. kinds of mm -hmm. understandings of the world because they are they are understandings of the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, and and if you just shut them out, you're not going to get very far. Mm -hmm. um, but if you if you talk with them and you see not just the idea but how they get there mm -hmm. and what drives mm -hmm. that idea, mm -hmm. then you can you know approach i mean you can build consensus mm. with people that you never would be able to otherwise mm. Mm. around you know some <laughs> other forms of solidarity yeah adam has said that something so very yeah, yeah something very beautiful. important man i really want us to go back to something you said building consensus listen understand the root of a problem and learn to build consensus. I think one of the challenges in leadership, I know everybody at the table has experienced this, come into a consensus. But you'll never you'll never get a, a full consensus on a, on a hot, on a hot <laughs> difficult issue. You never, I mean, no, you, no. you're not gonna get, uh, mm -hmm. remember we, we were talking about before, mm -hmm. status quo yep. changing it. You're never gonna get, get you're never gonna get a consensus on right. really changing mm -hmm. the status quo. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, uh, you don't need everybody to, to yeah. agree if that makes sense you just need enough the more the better mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. um but it, yeah uh, <laughs> don't don't, yeah. don't let perfection mm -hmm. are uh get in the way of progress, progress. but at the same time mm -hmm. if you're making if you're not making progress that's going to reap that that that's noticeable and tangible mm -hmm. for people that mm -hmm. they can see mm -hmm. why why would they why yeah. would they let you yeah. stay in True. what are you doing for them True. um so and i think also to add mm -hmm. to adam's point mm -hmm. um you know so there's this concept of kind of an overlapping consensus where mm -hmm. we may find individuals having different reasons for believing what they believe but we may be able to find an area where there's agreement on a solution. They may not get there for the same reason, mm -hmm. but you may be able to get a mm -hmm. critical mass together mm -hmm. who will support mm -hmm. a certain solution. Mm -hmm. Interesting what you just said there. Sometimes one of the challenges as a leader is getting people to go where you are with you. Ideologically, you'd have people all over the spectrum, and a good leader gets people to where he wants them, the direction in which he wants them to move. Justin said something. They may not get there for the same reason. And that is part of your challenge as a leader, knowing what all the different sectors or segments of your constituents need. Some people want a $15 minimum wage to be better off. 
Some people want that to offset their tax bills. Some people want that know everybody, hear everybody out, understand where everybody is, and get them to that overlapping that overlapping region where people can agree for different reasons, but at least they agree. It kind uh, of reminds me of the Venn diagram. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In leadership, your job is to find your subsets, right? And draw a Venn diagram and get a point within the Venn diagram where all your groups meet. Mm -hmm. That intersectionality often gets jobs done. And in the United States, there's so many there are so many issues that have broad, broad support mm -hmm. to tackle in, mm -hmm. the, in, in mm -hmm. this country. Mm -hmm. um, about a, a, a climate change, I mm -hmm. mean, you name it. Most Americans want, they, are, they find the status quo unacceptable. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the, the status quo is so institutionalized mm -hmm. and so entrenched that, you, I mean, you have to get, I mean, as many people as possible to to, to get things going. I mean, the, if the majority of people believe something, we live in a democratic republic, right? We should be able to achieve that, but mm -hmm. we're not. Mm -hmm. We haven't been mm -hmm. achieving things really for a while, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and why is that, right? So I think that, that ideological barrier, often there are ideological barriers. Say, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not generally the biggest like laissez-faire markets guy, but if there are good solutions from that ideology for a big pressing problem like um, emissions trading or mm -hmm. a carbon tax or etc., I'm all for it. I'm all for <laughs> it. I mean, it's that's that's progress. Um, mm. That that's interesting. Are there any more challenges? I know we didn't talk about this, but it, it's a scary thing for a lot of leaders. Elections, I think. That's where a lot of people, a lot of, the thing with winning elections and losing elections is people who lose elections often don't come back again. And, and so how, how have you guys dealt with elections? I have my tricks with elections I'm going to share, but what have you guys done to ensure successful elections? Because at least for seven in all these offices, you guys have won your fair bit of elections. Yeah, I think... So I think one thing I would say is, you know, re regardless of how elections turn out, um, something I would always encourage everyone to do is, you know, whatever group you're representing, um, mm -hmm. whether this is at school or maybe this is in like, um, you know, politics in, you know, the real world, um, <clears throat> make sure you always have that connection with that group, um, whether you're running or not. Mm -hmm. If you do run in the election, it's going to serve you very well. Mm -hmm. um, but even if you don't, or even if you run and you lose, mm -hmm. um, you're going to be honestly representing and understanding what those people are concerned about. Mm -hmm. um, and at the end of the day, if you lose, um, you know, honestly listening to those people and caring about their issues is mm. something that you can be proud of. Mm. Um, you know, l losing elections isn't easy. That you know, there's a lot of reasons you can lose elections. It could be tactical. It could be maybe you. Um, you know, didn't focus enough on certain issues. It could be something totally out of your control, but, um, you know, sometimes you just have to put your best foot forward, and if you know at the end of the day that <clears throat> you did the best job <clears throat> you could do, mm -hmm. um, you know, you don't feel too bad about it. Mm -hmm. But I would also say, 
you don't want to ever put yourself in a position where you feel like you should have spoke up about something mm. that you didn't speak up about mm. just because you were concerned about the election. election. Mm. Because if you do something like that, <clears throat> if you lose, you're going to feel bad because you didn't take the chance and you lost anyway. Mm -hmm. And if you win, um, you're going to feel bad because you won and you didn't stand up for something that was actually mm. important. Mm. Interesting. And so what Justin is talking about here, which I really want us to pay attention to, is you should always run a campaign on something. And once you're running a campaign with a goal, understanding the people you're running to represent, understanding the people you're trying to lead, you never really are a loser. Because you honestly gave it a good attempt to represent the people. And so even if you lose the election, I have diligently listened I have honestly run a race to represent them. And like you said, there's so many reasons you can lose an election. But if you do it the right way, even a loss is a win. If you do it the wrong way, you can win and never really be proud of yourself. And so, yeah, you, you, there's so many things we have to learn about the election itself, election cycles as, as leaders. This leadership is going to come with that competition. Sometimes I wish leadership didn't come with elections and everybody who wanted to lead would lead but it comes to a time where people have to decide who they want to lead them sachi what have been some of your election experiences and how did you deal with these things i think um there was this election where i did not win when i was running for the international students association president which was last year and what i actually learned was that each person is important mm. Mm. each person's opinion is important mm. and you shouldn't be like leaving out anybody mm. and have as many allies as possible mm. Mm. is what I felt mm. so every vote counts everybody, <laughs> everybody it's, it's a lesson I have learned in leadership and to be a great leader you need this lesson it's about building the biggest tent. It's not about any particular individual. As a leader, this is how I want to th you to think about elections. Think of elections as having a tent set up at a market square. Get enough under your tent to draw everybody in. It's an additive game. It's a game of getting more people. Like Sachi said, everybody is important. Every constituency is important. Every voting block is important. Have something for everybody. And that's why listening tours are the most important part of elections. Before you go out there to run any election, listen to the people you're trying to represent or lead. It's important. Know what they care about and find a way to address these issues. And so one of the ways to navigate the election cycle is know the people, hear them out, have something for them. It's very important. Adam, what are the strategies? So I would uh, just to go build on build on what was just said by uh, Sachi and you uh, about a, a big tent. Mm. Now, totally, you know, you gotta have you know get as many people as you can. But at the same time, it's important to make sure that. Uh, you know your tent is coherent at that at the same time um, that not every tent can have something for everyone 
you can offer people to join or come under your tent you can you can you can uh, you know welcome and suggest and talk to them and listen to them um, but at the same time uh, I think there has to be some kind of coherent at least some level of coherent um, uh, principle mm. uh, behind it mm. so uh, if the tent gets too big I mean, I, there's a tent can be too big mm. to the point of, of being dysfunctional mm. the, the, the Scottish National Party is a good example of that where they <laughs> in, in Scotland uh, there's no ideological coherence mm -hmm. to the to the tent at all all it is is pro-independence mm. It's a completely dysfunctional government uh, that isn't making progress on any of the. Th it's not making progress on very much, except a drive towards independence, right? Um, so. But I I don't know. Uh, it, it, I kind of disagree with you on that. I think then can be really big, and you can maybe you can definitely have like a big goal that you want to work towards, but then you can have small small things for everybody. Not not everybody wants progress. A lot of people don't want progress, and we all define. But it, I mean, in how I'm viewing progress, but everybody defines progress in a different way. It's subjective. Yeah, everybody defines progress in a different way, and 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 I think. But so, like, if everybody defines progress in a different way, can you really say that not everybody wants progress? Like, can you come I, to that conclusion? Really? No, I, I I would adjust. What I, not everybody wants progress in in you know in in one view of progress. There's there are very divergent views of progress. Right? There are people who would say that you know having a, a, a dictatorship that's like that Pinochet in Chile or something was progress. There are people who will make those arguments. I think those are hard arguments to make, but maybe it's progress for one group or for that group. If that makes sense. So, I mean, make the tent as big as possible while still maintain, while still making your tent be, be, be able to achieve something, accomplish something that's noticeable and tangible. Because otherwise, what are you running to lead? What, what, are, you, what are you doing in this? If, if I, you just want to be in charge. I think listeners are getting a fair taste of what true leadership is. This is how the conversations go. It's more than just when being the, in charge. <laughs> when the doors are closed, and if you're in interested in actually getting into leadership, I understand what Adam is saying, and I understand where Sachi is saying, and to be honest, I agree with Sachi. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you where I understand you. As a leader, in an attempt to win an election, in an attempt to accommodate everybody, don't lose yourself. Don't don't pander to everybody to the point where you represent nothing or you stand for nothing because you stand for everything. I completely agree to that moderation, but I also believe in to win elections. And again, this is a tact to navigate the election space. Just need enough votes, not all. I, I completely agree, but... <laughs> It is almost suicidal as a leader running an election to say, I have nothing for this block of people. You should have something for everybody. Try. Do your best. And, and for me, one of the things you can have for every constituent, at the very least, is a listening ear. It's something voters appreciate. They may not like you. They may not like your politics. 
But again, they say people don't remember what you say, but they remember how you make them feel. If you can make everyone feel important, at least by listening to them, Mm -hmm. you have a good chance of being a successful leader. I think it's so important for all your constituents to kind of have trust in you that if they take a problem to you, that you will at least try and help them. Mm. So I think that that's something you should always keep in mind as you mm. just said that have a listening ear always mm. i mean make them feel that you can really help them mm-hmm. and actually work towards it not just mm-hmm. like make them feel mm-hmm. but actually work <laughs> it's it's been a great conversation on leadership and i think we're going to probably wrap up the segment on leadership and get into the other sides of the podcast uh, we're going to get into the news but I've learned so much from you guys. I've learned so much about the motivations to get into leadership, navigating the leadership space. And I would have been very sad if we hadn't touched on elections because, man, it's something that makes people quake in their boots. They're like, I really want to serve. I really want to help make a difference, but I don't want to lose an election. Or I don't know how to run an election. I don't know how to run a campaign. And one other trick in elections is you don't have to know everything. Find the right people. Sometimes the, 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 the player is as good as the, all the other players around them. You could be the best player on the table, but if the people around you are terrible, so finding a team together, elections are won by the best team. Not the best candidate, but the best team. And like Adam said at the beginning of the, at the, beginning of the podcast in the introductions, he worked on someone's campaign. And a lot of great people work on other people's campaigns. Get a team of great players who can help you successfully navigate the campaign season. And so, yeah, with that, I think we've given listeners an earful. So much to think about, so much to um, discuss with your friends and your friend groups and your listening parties. But again, I'm going to repeat this. If you're interested in reading and interested in, in, in any of these things that will get you into leadership, just get onto our social media pages. Just DM me or shoot me a tweet or anything. Let me know you're interested and I'll send you a copy of Becoming um, straight to you. You just give me your details and I'll send you a copy. The first five people get it. And just to make it just to make it even more exciting, none of my tribe members are going to get one. None of the people who record, because everybody's That's taking their food. No, if you're recording, you're not part of this. This is for my listeners. And and if you have another book, I would highly recommend The Promised Land. I enjoyed reading it. It's funny, it's a very big book, but I spent like three days and I cleared it because it was that good. Even Audacity of Hope is really good. And so, yeah, if you have any other book that you feel would be a great resource, just let me know and we would send you a copy of it. The first five people, I am down to send you a book to set you on your way to be a leader. So we're going to get into the news today. We're going to start with Sachi, and you guys are going to bring up one or two news items in the United States this past week that you guys felt was interesting and want to talk about and i'll bring something from ghana and we'll just get into that and wrap up and so sachi what do you have for me in terms of the news so you guys already know so many people have 
messaged me on how India is doing with the whole COVID situation. Mm -hmm. And I can tell that it's pretty bad, but we do see that so many countries are coming to help. Mm. Uh, there's so many ventilators and oxygen cylinders which were sent by Japan, mm -hmm. which were sent by Canada, some were sent even by Australia. Mm -hmm. So, like, everybody is coming to help, which mm -hmm. is a great thing. That's beautiful. Yeah, that is really beautiful. And I think That's we beautiful. can see how. You know, when so, when one country is in a problem, mm -hmm. all the countries can mm -hmm. come together mm -hmm. and get that country out of the problem, mm -hmm. which is beautiful, which is great. That's beautiful. So, That's yeah, beautiful. thank you to the governments of all the countries who are trying to help India yeah. Yeah. right now. But the flip side, which is like, I mean, it's really bizarre. I am not pro Modi at all. Um, a complete declaration here. Um, <laughs> so... I mean, I really don't know what's what's happening with the governmental situation right now, but Modi is kind of not spending money on this this bad situation and that India is in, but he is constructing mm -hmm. the you know mansion mm. and the stadium, mm. the Modi Stadium mm. that his government took as a project. Let, let me let me for for our listeners, Modi is the prime minister of He's India. The prime Okay. Yeah, just to yeah. clarify. Yes. So the Prime Minister is spending resources building a mansion and a stadium. Mansion in totally reconstructing a downtown. I mean, I think it's it's bigger than that. And uh, the city. It's reconstructing it's a city like in its reconstructing image, a city. And so many, you know, so much money and resources are going to that instead mm. of getting oxygen and like ventilators for the mm. people who are literally dying mm. on the streets. This mm. is what you are giving your time and energy to, which is bizarre to me. I, I guess we should send a link to this podcast to Prime Minister Modi. We should. To should listen to, to his constituents. At yeah. least give them an ear, right? I, I understand the, the problem. And, I, and I've been following the news in India. And I, I realized that American, Indian-American doctors who, after doing 10 to 12-hour shifts in America jump online and do online consultations in India, which I felt was a very interesting And one interesting, there's one of these American doctors who actually helped raise a lot of money in US and send it to India so that people mm. can be helped, mm. which was mm. really great. Yeah, a lot of people are coming together to help, which it, it, it's beautiful. Like I see people working a full day's job and then getting online and consulting with patients, giving directions, giving prescriptions, looking at uh, scans and everything. It's beautiful. And like Sachi said, it's it's a beautiful thing we can achieve as a human race when we all come together, right? And every country is helping other countries to come out through, you know, come through in their dark times. But I'm not sure I appreciate what Modi is doing. I don't have a position on him, you know. I don't know if I'm pro-Modi or anti-Modi, but I just think, you know, there's a time and a place for everything. Um, this is where in the movie people be like, bro, read the room. Now we need ventilators, no stadiums. Mm -hmm. Like, if we build this big stadium and nobody is able to get to use them, what's the use, what's right? The point? So, yeah, that, that's my take on that. What's your take, Justin? What do you think? Um, yeah, I also had, you know, seen some of those same headlines um, y'all were talking about. Um, I had heard, I, I don't know a lot about Indian politics, but I had heard previously um, 
even before this happened, some of the same concerns about Modi. Was mm-hmm. he more concerned about mm-hmm. himself and what and yeah. his own goals mm-hmm. versus what the country needed? Mm-hmm. Um, He's in there for fame, and yeah. that's all I see. <laughs> I mean, he was a good friend of Trump, so I guess of they populist leaders enjoy the the glitz and the glam that comes with leadership. I would I would come out in, in opposition to, to Modi. I don't like Modi, mm. uh, but I, I and I, I think but I think Modi is just a, one of a, a whole slew. Of, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. mean, Donald Trump, uh, Modi, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, a variety of AMLO mm-hmm. uh, in Mexico City has not tended to mm-hmm. be very organized. Uh, uh, Boris Johnson, Bolsonaro, Bolsonaro is Trump of the tropics. Uh, so <laughs> Trump of the tropics. That's um, awesome. I mean, I, yeah, Bolsonaro. There's there's a whole there's a pattern of mm. this, and it's a global pattern. Any news, Justin? U.S. news? Um, this is more local news, but I I saw it on a couple of the state news mm-hmm. uh, outlets. Um, there's a two hundred million dollar Amazon warehouse coming to Shreveport, mm. which is where I'm from, mm. that mm. will employ about a thousand people. Nice. Um, I have mixed feelings about it, but it's certainly an interesting development. Um, I mean, Shreveport, you know, needs jobs. We've been hemorrhaging industries since like the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, the population's declining. Um, you know, generally, quote unquote, jobs are good. This is a situation where uh, I don't necessarily, um, there's good and bad that comes with it. Um, these ostensibly are jobs that supposedly pay $15 an hour. Um, at the same time, I don't know how much advancement people are actually going to get out of these jobs in the mm-hmm. future. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not very fulfilling jobs, standing mm-hmm. on an assembly line, shoving stuff in boxes. Um, and I also just think it shows that even though this new administration in Treeport has focused on getting jobs, it's still a very top-down model of attracting outside entities to mm-hmm. set up warehouses, mm-hmm. which is the same old system we had in the 20th century. Um, mm. It's not really focused on this kind of grassroots mm. trying to fund new mm. businesses, local mm. businesses, small businesses. Mm. It's just it. It seem, they seem to be doing it better than the last administration, but it's still the same old, same old of mm. let's bring someone in from outside and hope that they create the jobs we want. Mm. Which, mm. for a lot of the reasons we discussed today. Um, often does not satisfy what people actually need. Mm, mm. Yeah. Interesting. Um, the, the, the thing with jobs, particularly big corporations coming into town, is what it does to smaller companies. Like, people are going to leave, go do the Amazon job, and local businessmen are going to suffer, right? Mm-hmm. And with a $15 minimum wage, it creates a competition, right? If you want someone to leave the warehouse to come work in your little plant, you're going to have to be competitive. And so, yeah, I can see how you have mixed feelings, but mm, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, $15 sounds good. I just want it to be across the board. Yeah, I just, <laughs> I just don't like how. And, and I feel for a lot of politicians, that's a pushback for the minimum wage, high minimum wages. It's like, yeah, the people who can afford can do it. The rest would go out of business. I, I think I'm going to end with the news in Ghana, and I don't know if you guys would have a take on it, but I'd love to hear your take on it. But for the last week, it's it's almost evolved into a war of sorts, at least on social media. People are really, it's pro and against. So there's this hashtag, fix the country. 
And so the, the president of Ghana for a while was doing decently. He, his ratings, even globally, he, he, he was positioning himself to be, particularly during the, the thick of the, um, the, the, the COVID crisis. He was that guy who was given weekly updates and, you know, doing everything he could to make sure Ghanaians didn't feel the impact of the economic meltdown. But the thing is, it's time for the roosters to come home, right? I mean, you can only kick the can down the road so many times and have to confront your... So he gave free electricity, he has free education, free everything. Like, basically, don't pay anything because of COVID. And now the system cannot support free stuff for a while, so things are falling apart. And what's happening is that we're back to where we're... Sh- um, to shed load off our existing electricity plants, they have to take out the lights, like take out the power in the grid for some people for certain amounts of time. Mm-hmm. And people are like, fix this. This is unacceptable. When when there was lockdown and they were at home and they were getting free electricity all the time around and putting stress on all these plants, they, they didn't care, right? And so now it's become a whole thing where everything that goes broken in the country they like hashtag fix the country and the 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 difference is a lot of celebrities and other politicians and even normal people are like hey when things were good we rode with a guy so when we're going through hard times because that's what comes with a bill we enjoy the meal that comes the time we have to pay for it and so stop this fix the thing country thing fix yourself and so it's a war between fix the country where people are waiting for the president to solve all their problems and fix yourself, which is a group of people who are like, do something to help. For six months, you stayed at home. You didn't pay taxes. You didn't do anything. You enjoyed everything. So now fix yourself. Go out there, work, make money, and pay for these things. And I don't know. What do you guys think? Fix yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just like we've, we've had a lot of discussion about leadership in this episode and, and thinking from that point of view, when you're in that position, you have to think of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And now when the country is in a position where, you know, the resources are exhausting, I mean, of course, some will get something, some won't get something. It's like as a citizen, you also have to be very responsible with what is happening around mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. So it's important to take responsibility. Mm. I uh, probably not going to be shocking uh, the the tribe folk the tribe folk here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm very uncomfortable with placing. Um, I, I think that it, it's it, yeah. There's there's validity to it, but overplacing uh, the importance of, of personal responsibility, um, I think, is a dangerous game mm-hmm. uh, that that shifts or obfuscates bigger, more systemic, structural problems, problems. that force people yep. into desperate situations to begin mm-hmm. with. I mean, don't hate the player, hate the game mm. is one of my big, big mantras. Mm-hmm. Um, hate the game, hate the structures that people are operating in mm. that forces them mm. or puts them in situations in which they Mm-hmm. act in an unsavory way, mm-hmm. right, if that makes sense. Yeah, Is what yeah. I'm saying making sense? Yeah, it does. So you are like, fix the country. It's be, it, No, I don't think it's, I don't, no. So I, which no, side are you on? It's the system. It's not Ghana. 
Mm-hmm. It's the system that Ghana <laughs> operates within. No, but in this debate, fix yourself or fix the country. Because I understand you're saying, well, the people are in the position they are in because of the system that put them there. And I would get, I would understand it for a de- to a degree, but it's like, then we all contribute. Right. Well, well but, but, but so here, here's the system. Back. Where's the system? I'll circle back with this. So, like, who so the makes system, the system? Tell me that. In, Isn't it the people? Isn't it us? If we, we fix ourselves, when the system be fixed? I don't think so. Because, for example, people raise arguments like corruption, right? So if you're a corrupt official, if you fix yourself, the president doesn't have to do anything. If the president is giving us free stuff and there are people, you know, um, like congressmen and like community leaders and local leaders who, to make a profit of it, are being corrupt and doing things that are not so savory. So the system is, you and I make the system. You and I are the government, right? Waiting for the president to come change our fortunes. Well, if you don't hate the player and you hate the game, we're making the game what it is. Well, it? it's it's not just the current system and the current structure, but a, it's a it's a, a long line mm. of a, mm. an evolving system, mm. which has changed very little. I mean, we don't have so much official direct colonialism in the mm-hmm. world anymore. But like, what it's indirect. very very similar. Mm-hmm. It's just through different structures. Mm. There isn't like, uh, you know, what a colonizing country doesn't come in and take direct control mm-hmm. so much mm. these days, but instead uses the global market, mm. uses the global political system mm. to control countries. Mm. Uh, mm. So Latin America is, I did, I did my master's thesis in Latin America. I've traveled across uh, Latin America, especially South America. And I mean, it's a region of the world that has been Destroyed mm. by by you know developed countries. It's been inhibited by them and by structures like the World Bank and the IMF, which play roles. But mm-hmm. I mean, they, so, they. So my my take is your your stand would be fix the system. So not fix the well, country. But 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 the system. So to circle this to circle back on that to 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 fix the system, you have to fix yourself. I, yeah. I think the people, but not as an individual, mm-hmm. as a collective. <laughs> That's beautiful. I think it would be a good way to end the podcast. And <laughs> once again, it's been Casa by the tribe. And today we've had a lot of interesting tribe members, a lot of new tribe members. And we, we had a lovely conversation about leadership. I really enjoyed myself. I enjoyed making this podcast. I'm sure you've enjoyed listening to it. It's been Kojo with Sachi, Justin, and Adam. <laughs> Fiery old Adam. Adam has really fired this episode up and I've really enjoyed it. I've learned so much about leadership. And and so, yeah, we're going to end this episode on a high. And I, I have learned so much from these guys. It's been amazing. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate our listeners. You're the reason we do this. And once again, please just shoot me a dm on the social media pages and you we're going to get your book to you 
um, Justin just stepped on my toe that he's going to pay for three of the five books. So yes, <laughs> ready to dole out some money for that, and we're going to get you your presents. Thank you so much for listening, and guys, thank you so much for coming. You've been amazing. You've been amazing, and I really appreciate you guys. Thank and you for having us. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> Happy to be here. Yeah. Yeah, and from the tribe and the tribe members, it's bye bye, bye now. <laughs> cheers. <laughs>